Hey, what up guys? Welcome. Uh, it's Cameron Barkey here at the Thought Exchange. How's it going? I have my co-host here. What's going on? Steve Van Deest. Steve Van Deest. And we have a special guest tonight in-house. We've got this is Cody Lakefold, my friends. Um, today, our topic of discussion is going to be re resiliency and how that applies to our personal lives, to business, anything of that nature. But I am sure we're going to deviate from that. But the main... <laughs> The main course is uh, resiliency. So how we want to get this started is if you could just maybe introduce yourself a little bit. Give and a what little you background. Do. Yeah, give, give a little <clears throat> background on them. And then uh, we're just going to see where the conversation goes and go from there. But uh, I know that Cody's had, uh, we all have our battles and we've all had our trials and tribulations. And I want to say he's had a, a, a few more than maybe the rest of us. Is that a fair thing to say, maybe? Well, I... Potentially. I mean, everybody has, like you said, everybody has their challenges that they go through. I have, I think, a, a story that is probably a little bit unique. Yeah. You he, has, he has, a, he has a, a very unique story that I can, I can relate to myself, maybe only 25%. Does that <laughs> did, make sense? Did you, percent, you put a percentage? I put on a it. percentage <clears throat> on it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah so. you can relate to it. For sure you can. A little bit, yeah. But, um, well, do you. I don't. I don't want to j jump into it, but no, it, we can jump into it. I mean, that's, is that's it, what I'm here for. Is it is it fair to say that you're the last of your family? Family, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's, so that's an interesting. That's an interesting story. Right that's there. a like, strange introduction. Like, well, yeah, because like yeah. you're last of your tribe, kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. No, I little. I what two months ago, I walked into. I forgot my mental coach and my fitness coach, right? <clears throat> And so my mental coach, he's this counselor, he's a brilliant guy named Roger. And so I walk into his office and he, he looks at me and he goes, fuck, last man standing, huh? I'm like, ugh, God. Jeez. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's been an interesting five years, we'll put it like that. And it's been a tough, super tough five years. Yeah. Um, but maybe I'll, where do you want me to start? Do you want me to start five years ago? Yeah, let's let's start, start when I was a fetus. Yeah, let's let's start five years ago. <laughs> start and with the fetus growing up back in '84. <clears throat> I think that's this is a, this that's is how like, you know that when like you're old. If you listen to old people talk, oh yeah, they talk with dates. Oh, of like, course. You know, like most kids, you go, oh, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. Oh, like, but no, back in '84 for them. <laughs> yeah, it's a matter of no. I got to provide you context. So in '76. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's context. Yeah, right? like the whole world's different <laughs> then. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. We were drinking beers, driving our truck, and like it's bell totally bottoms. Yeah. yeah, bell bottoms. Yeah. You but, can't say the, the other day. The other day I was listening to the Beatles live on stage. And, yeah, you can't yeah. say that. No. Um, yeah. So five years ago, I was um, I was an investment advisor. Uh, did portfolio management with my father, who best business partner and I have some hell of incredible business partners but uh, the single best business partner I could have ever hoped for I, I my father was an amazing guy amazing amazing guy and uh, he, you know he's one of those dads where my mom worked nights she was a pediatric nurse and so he was a guy who you know he'd pick us up from the babysitters and take us and cook food and tuck us in and you know bathe us like that was my dad for the weeknights right so and then he and I started working together. Uh, I got my degree in psychology and ended up working in finance, which, strangely enough, well, maybe not too strangely, but 
go hand in hand pretty good, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do actually. Psychology of people move the market. That's psychology. Oh, and mar- shit. Psychology that job marketing is and, yeah. 80% psychology, 20% finance, right? Especially yeah. when you're dealing with clients, you're dealing with their psyche. With their psyche and their most personal asset, right? Like you're talking about their livelihood and their future. That's what you're dealing with when you're managing money. Yeah. And so that was one of the best parts of that job is that it, if you do it well, it embeds you within the family really, really well. Like you get to speak into the success of the family unit, which is super exciting. That's you're almost like the ear of the king kind of thing. Like kind of, yeah, guy, you get kind like of right just, hand side of it. Yeah, and you get to see exactly. You actually, you would almost be considered like the Knights Templar, where you basically <laughs> know everything. Fuck, you, where were you five years ago? I yeah, could have yeah, you know? on the marketing side of the equation. I could have used that. Yeah, <laughs> yo, that's pretty sick. I am like uh, I am like the Knights Templar of finance. Of finance, yo, <laughs> dude, that's sick. You could brand the whole thing with the red crosses and put like some dollar signs on it. And shit. Like, we might start a new company after this is done. <laughs> you could wear the robes. We could like <laughs> everyone in the wears robes. Yo, <laughs> oh, that's be... we get branded robes. Yeah, branded that's robes what I'm saying. Something. Branded, yeah. brand. Okay, yeah, yeah. Wow. Gears are turning get, right now. It'd get a little weird once you show up at someone's house in your rope. And yeah, but, like, what, 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 <laughs> but when you're upon in public, anyways, when you're when your uh, returns are like, let's say you're getting like eighty percent returns, some ridiculous <laughs> number. I know that's like, what I'm saying. Eighty. That's what I'm saying. You gotta get the Templars of finance. You gotta get the Templars of finance. These guys are the shit. Eighty percent. You did eight percent last year. I'm like, those guys know everyone. They're connected with all the big guys. They just make money. They just make money. The Templars. You just need to have enough to give them. Minimum that's 200 a, million. It's not a bad idea. I mean, this is something. Yeah, this is something we could do. Dude, I'm not even lying. Like, that's anyway, sorry. That's a, <laughs> Let's get back. I'm mad. I feel like this is gonna happen a thousand times as we go forward. So please it keep is, it, it coming is, because I don't want this to be a one-man discussion. No, either, it's but, not. Not at all. No, no, no. no, no but no. Uh, so I was I was in finance with my father. Great gig. He and I had a discussion um, at the very start of it when he brought me on to say, "Listen, like you're my kid first and my employee second. And That's if cool. this ever has, it represents any kind of conflict between you and I in terms of our relationship as father and son, you're fired. I'll fire you immediately. And thankfully, that was just never the case. Like, he and I worked together amazingly. And, uh, you know, he was a pretty astonishing guy to work with. Just really trustworthy, right? Like... You know, and that's what you, in terms of partnerships. That's what you want. That's the biggest thing. It's like thing, being married, right? Yeah. It's, like, like, it's all you want. It's you want someone you can trust. That's Exa- it. That's 100%. all you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. And so he and I worked together in the business for uh, eight years. Seven years in, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And, uh, you know, and we had a lot of shit going on at home. I was married. I had uh, a new kid, um, my little girl, Adela. <laughs> and <laughs> my... Dad was dealing with a bunch of shit at home. My mom was desperately addicted to Oxycontin. Um, you know, the average individual is taking about, in terms of chronic pain, one doctor told me around 200 milligrams is what they're taking, and my mom was taking 740. So, I mean, she was, you know, I once told somebody that she was the Pablo Escobar of Oxycontin, which was a mistake because she dealt. <laughs> oh, jeez. She didn't. She just took. Wow. But she took a shit ton of it. Yeah. Um, horrible osteoarthritis throughout her whole body um, and had been on it for an extended period of time, right? So this was, a, was this an addiction or was this a, a necessary need because she was both. in pain? It was both. a both, hey, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's how it always starts. Yeah. It always starts as a necessary need. And then, I mean, oxy's oxy. Put somebody on oxy for a month, 
try to get them off it. I've, I've, I've talked about this on the show. It happened to me once. I've broken this leg and I've yeah. had three surgeries on it or three or four surgeries. Yeah. And it happened to me one time. Did, so, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was drinking cough syrup to go to bed. Oh, God. Because I ran out of... Uh, oxy? Uh, it wasn't Oxy. It was... Um, Some morphine derivative. Morphine though. derivative. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's dangerous stuff. Anyways. Yeah, oh, and I was shit. just like... I was like, I wasn't in pain. Yeah. I'm not going to go deep into it. it uh, I wasn't in pain. I was yeah. just like, I, I can't sleep. And, like, I need something. something. Feels, I need something. So yeah. I was like, fuck it. I have all this codeine cough syrup. So I was drinking that. Oh. And then, and then I ran out of that. And I was like, I, I was like, okay, well, I guess. <laughs> and I just went through the withdrawals and like, that was it. Good for you. I mean, yeah, that's... Yeah. That's a tough, I mean, especially when your doctor's telling you, right, that this is something that you need. You know, I, my heart breaks for a lot of these people because it's not like they're not going out on the streets and, and seeking drugs. They're going to their, their GP who's prescribing it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I got, that's a whole new gamut for me, too. Like, Ugh. so many people are like, take that stuff, like, as a full-blown crutch instead oh, of, like, of instead of, like, a... Instead of like a, a means to an end, like yeah. to get off of them, they're taking them out of like their full blown. <coughs> it becomes a lifestyle. Yeah. Instead of a crutch, it becomes a cane. Like you said, like yeah. it, I'm using it for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it becomes an accessory. Yeah, not and good. For her, I mean, for my mom, she was. You can imagine. I mean, taking that much, she's pretty out of it for many, many years, right? She's been on it for like 15 years. So, jeez. So, 15 years. Oh yeah. yeah. She was in a deep. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, to a, you know, a, a sizable extent. I mean, when dad started getting sick, one of the first things they tell you about anything in terms of like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, um, neurological uh, stress, enemy, right? Like first and foremost, your stress levels. You need to focus on your stress levels. So my mom, he's going home to my mom, who is an incredible human being, but because of the drugs, she was all fucked up and she was... You know, she was dealing with... Don't recognize her anymore. No. Yeah, it wasn't my mom. The vessel's completely gone and taken over. Exactly. It wasn't the woman that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, She was an incredible mother, but that was gone. She was dealing with severe clinical manic depression because of the shit she went through when she was a kid. Um, Agoraphobia, anxiety disorder. Like, she had a lot of issues, right? Matt, Matt, do you know uh, where those issues came from yeah. with your mom? Oh, yeah. Are no. you able to speak on that, or is that too deep? Severe, severe, severe abuse. That's when crazy, she was man. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've still got some family around that uh, that was involved or, or not involved, but were victim by it, uh, which I don't really want to. No, no, no. I understand. No, yeah, no, no. You don't need to. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying because, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. When she was a kid. Oh, shit. Let's just say that she had a really interesting mother. So, um, mom did an amazing thing, though. You know, when she she went through some shit where she um, made a promise to herself when she was growing up that she would never become like her mom. And she, when I was born, when my brother was born, she was just like the an ultimate loving mother like she's the the depiction of a caring loving nurturing mother mm-hmm. you know and so I got to play uh, or have be benefited by that for the first 13 years of my life 12, 12 years of my life and then she got hit by a truck um, which put her in the hospital that took away her job and set her up for a bunch of shit a lot of That's time to spiral. think because yeah. she didn't have a job anymore right mm-hmm. and her her job was her passion, one of her passions anyways. She was helping sick kids, right? And so uh, she just spiraled from there. You know, so I 
my mom at the time when my dad was diagnosed was, you know, she was sick already and dad was now becoming sick. And my brother, <clears throat> who was another, you know, like, I get to tell people all the time, you know, I'm in a fortunate position where all of my family members at some point in my life, they all got to be my hero. Mm -hmm. And my brother was awesome. Like, he was just this super good looking guy who, very bright, very charming, um, very generous. Women loved him. Men wanted to be like him. His nickname was Lake Show. Lake Show? Yeah. Jeez. Because <laughs> yeah, he's going to the show. Yeah. Well, my, mine was Squidge. <laughs> so who's the popular one yeah. out of the two? How do you get Squidge? Oh, God. Because... <laughs> it's a thing? Something actually happened? Something happened, you set yourself up. Because... Uh. When I was when I was relatively rotund, my brother's nickname for me was Squish. Rotund? Did you say you were heavy? Like I was heavy. Yeah, yeah. I was a heavy kid. Rotund. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Rotund. So I was. I, said, I, was, I like that. That's I was somewhat bulbous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he says another big word. <laughs> <He> says, <laughs> well, we're just in two syllables, but yeah, no. but yeah, I was I was a heavy kid, and so my brother used to call me Squish or Squishy, which I thought was which is great. Yeah. Perfect. And then I grew 12 <laughs> feet in a year and stretched out. And he was like, oh, you're fucking, you're gangly like a squid. So he changed it to squid. And then one fortuitous so day. To squid. Yeah, you just slam those two together. Squid. <laughs> and I've still got friends of my brothers who come up and they're like, hey, squid. Like, Motherfucker, can we let that die? <clears throat> but that's still a thing. They probably think it's like nostalgic, hey, or something. Probably some of them doesn't... don't know my name. Oh, seriously, you're just Seriously, squidge. some of them are just like, no, what? Cody what? Squidge. Squidge. Yeah, that's your, that's like, your that's name. Like, that's your name? Who did that happen to? There was a guy that said, like, we figured out his actual name, and I was just like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, even DKP. Like, remember when we were like... Oh, Keevan. Yeah, Keevan. I've been calling him Keevan for the longest time, because that's how it's spelt on the thing. It's like, yeah. it says, like, Keevan. And he goes, no, it's Kevin. And I'm just like, Kevin? I've been calling this guy. <laughs> I've been, I've been calling this guy. Mispronouncing yeah. a syllable for the last eight years? Yeah, yeah, no, I've been doing No, it's not that. spelled like Kevin. It's spelled, it's spelled like Ste like almost like Steven, but with like a K. And there's an A in the and middle of it. Well, that's, that's his fault. That's not on you. But it's like, but he's like, <laughs> if he's listening right now, he's pissed. He's just like, how do you say heaven? Because it's spelled like heaven, but with a K. So it's like, it's spelled like that. So I'm just like. Oh man, are you serious? The whole time I thought it was Keevan. I thought, I thought it, it was Keevan. I thought, I thought it was the coolest thought, name ever. And then a great it, name. it was a great name. And I was just like, a great name. He's like, he's like, my, he was like, my name's uh, Dave Kevin Pavlet. I was like, Kevin? What the fuck? I was like, Kevin. Like, Who's Keevan? I've been calling you Dave Keevan for like years. Anyways, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so so that's, yeah, Squidge. That's That was my nickname for, I mean, still is to some people. But I, my brother was awesome. But he went away and played um, college ball um, in California, came back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where at? Talented Merced. Nice. The Blue Devils, yeah. That's he's, crazy. He's a hell, yeah, he's a pitcher. Super, I mean, you know, like also, when I was a kid, like, fuck this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I loved him desperately, and he was a hero of mine. But also, at the same fuck time, I'd have to sit and listen to girls be like, yeah, no. Fucking Jesse, right? Like Jesse, oh dear God! Whew, holy Moses, like that shadow, Jesse! They don't even yeah, see and you. I'm just hiding behind the corner, <laughs> trying oh, to, to no. suck in my stomach. Like, yeah, Jesse. Oof. Oh, but you know, Cody's got a nice personality. Oh, <laughs> oh shit! Eh? Oh my, my feelings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have, I have feelings. Yeah. So I, um, growing up with him was uh, an amazing honor, and and he was the kind of guy who he'd invite me to everything, like everything he went to. You good, champ? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought I wasn't. I was just nervous if I bumped the mute button. No, you're good, man. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Okay, yeah. I'm watching it. Don't worry about it, bro. So we've got uh, we've got a brother who's who's pretty incredible, and and uh, same with the mom and the dad, but they all have their issues. And my brother came, comes home, uh, starts working road crew, and develops just this horrifying alcohol addiction, like just. Is this after the ball, like basically his yeah. dream is done, and now he's coming home. Yeah, he's coming home, jobs. and just exactly. He's like, he fuck it, my life is over. Settles with with working road crew and yeah. starts drinking and drinking and drinking. I mean, drinking, drinking. You know what I mean? Like, there are people that we know that would definitely be termed alcoholics, but they socialize too fucking much and too fucking hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Jesse, Jesse would sit at home on a Tuesday and drink two forties. Just to himself. Oh yeah. Yeah, to the point where he'd be, I mean, comatose. Like he was a binge drinker, right? So. He'd be comatose for about two, three days, and inevitably somebody would show up at his condo because we'd be calling him. If he's not answering back, we start panicking, so we'd go over to his place, and he'd be in a pretty horrific state of disrepair, and so the job would be, okay, pick him up and shower him off and get him somewhere safe, and so we'd usually... Probably in his mind, he's just thinking, I just like this drink, and then I'm going to sleep. Like, no, just, like I would imagine, like you just drink if you enjoy a drink. Well, Jesse didn't enjoy a drink. No, That's, he wasn't enjoying it, man. He no, was he was sad. He was dreams going. He was do, doing the best. I don't know what it exactly was. To be completely honest, he was trying to numb something. I don't know if you guys have ever read anything by Gabor Mate uh, in the realm of hungry ghosts. But no, that no, guy's no. probably got the single best book on addiction um, in terms of understanding the addict's mindset and. Jess was, he was confusing because there were certain aspects that I don't think Jess necessarily knew exactly what was wrong, right? Mm -hmm. But usually there's some kind of cohabitation amongst addiction and mental health issues, right? And so usually an addict is suffering from you got depression and anxiety and a, an assortment of things. And what they're doing is trying to self-medicate, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what Jess was doing. Is it going to be fucked up after I put myself a <laughs> And so I'm like, so anyways. Um, but Jess was. Uh, <laughs> this looks so bad. It doesn't look great, but at the same time. <laughs> I don't want to fucking yell. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Um, so Jess was going through his own issues. I'm and, drinking water for you, Jess. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> so he was, um, he was going through some pretty nasty shit. And um, so when dad got diagnosed. You know, like, we've got a pretty sick, fa sick family here. Um, fast forward about a year later, um, not a ton of resources um, for Parkinson's. It's getting better here in the town. Um, there's some organizations that are doing some pretty cool stuff in terms of Parkinson's support, Alzheimer's support, and stuff like that. But there's, you know, we're not too great on the mental health side of the equation right, right. now here in Edmonton, but we're working to get significantly better. I'll just give a shout out since you're talking about neurological disease to the uh, Neurological Foundation. Um, uh, Crystal Phillips has a neurological foundation that's, yeah. uh, that's doing stuff for that stuff. So that's, awesome. uh, that's interesting. Like, yeah, because you're right. There's not very many. MS Society and then... No, know. I mean, I've been working with the Mental Health Foundation for coming up on six years here. And so we understand the landscape pretty good within the city. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's tough here. I mean, if you're struggling and you need help now... That's going to be a tough thing to find. 
-hmm. And now what we're starting to understand with mental health is when somebody says, like, I need help now, you got to consider it like any other kind of injury. An emergency? Like, or Fucking now, yeah. Because these guys die waiting, right? Yeah. And I mean, that to a certain extent was the story of my brother. He, uh, well, let's not jump ahead. Um, fast forward a year after dad's diagnosis, he, because of the job is a stressful gig, man. Like doing investment advisory, if you care about your clients, um, when they have a hard day, you have a really hard day. Um, if they lose money, it should hurt your soul. You know, and when- There's a lot of stress on oh, you. It's a ton of stress. I, can't, I, can't, I couldn't relate, but you're it's dealing with people's stressful. livelihoods, not yeah. just money, that's like their- No, I mean, my you know. dad used to say, a good day in that business was the best day in the world. Bad day is the worst. Holy smokes, so like you're dealing with the stress of other people's stress and their financial stress? Yeah. You're dealing with the fact your wife's addicted to... No, his mom. Uh, oh, he's talking his about my, wife. He's talking about my dad, yeah. His oh, wife's addicted oh, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to yeah. Oxycontin, right. and then your son has basically become a full-blown alcoholic right. where you have to deal with it's like yeah. and the like, whole world around, and exactly. then you get Parkinson's because you're full of so much stress. Exactly. I mean, we don't know the origination of the Parkinson's necessarily. What we do know is that obviously stress, not a good thing for it, so he got sick real quick. And, uh, and then um, he went in August, took my mom. They always went to, well, we always, as a family, went to Kelowna for our summer vacation. We, him and mom went out to Kelowna uh, for their vacation, and he put himself in the lake. And that was it. So dad, uh, I got the phone call at 7 o'clock in the morning from my aunt, saying that they found my father's boat floating in the Okanagan without anybody in it. So I hopped on a plane uh, with uh, Jolene, my wife, flew out, um, searched for the body for three days. During that time, my daughter celebrated her first birthday, which sounds horrible, but like little, little mir miracles, right? Like Adela, we had the family out there, right? Like we had my brother or my dad's brother and sister and and um, pretty horrifying time for all of us. We're all staying in this uh, suite at, uh, near the Dolphins um, by the Grand Okanagan there. And, you know, I'm dealing with the cops and I'm also having to do uh, interviews on CBC radio. Um, and they're, we're combing the lake. There, at this point, I'm just thinking to myself, they don't want the family to even find the body, right? No, I mean, so like you guys were not involved in that kind of in that. No, search. I'll, I'll, I was just getting updates. I mean, they yeah. certainly don't want you in the boat because yeah. if they I mean, and they told you like they tell you off the hop, if we don't find the body in the next 24 hours, the odds of finding the body ever are yeah. like pretty much nil. Yeah. So like, OK, well, <clears throat> so we're just doing our best to try to keep mom calm um. and deal with the cops. And and then we had three hours where. Yeah, the conversation at first was, should we bring out Adela? Because it's her first birthday, but at the same time, do we want her around this? And my answer to that was, like, I need my kid. Like, I need my kid around me. And so um, my in-laws brought my, my daughter out, and we celebrated her birthday uh, two days after my dad passed away. And in a good fashion, we brought her a cake. She's one years old. She smashed her face into the cake. All that good stuff for three hours. We were able to. to it's hard to look at a small child <coughs> who's doing small childish things and think of anything else. You know, like 
it's there's just such a purity and an innocence to it that it's it, it's one of those you know gratitude things. They bring you back. World. It's a miraculous thing. Yeah. yeah. So she gave us three hours of reprieve, uh, and then it was back at it. The next day we hopped on a plane, flew back home. Um, I went to work the day after that because my job is, I mean, I've got a book of clients. So now I have to get on the horn and phone everybody. And so... Were you, when your dad was going through this um, at that time, were, mm -hmm. you, were you taking a lot more of the load at the work as well? Yeah. And running the business and stuff yeah. like that? So like you were really... Yeah. That yeah, I was already more involved than I typically was. I mean, I be, had become a partner about four years after working with my dad. Um, so he and I had partnered up. And yeah, I mean, I was, thankfully, I had already, I was accustomed to the work. <clears throat> so there are no question marks in terms of what does the work look like. There were question marks in terms of how do I manage the rest of the load, right? Because my job typically was business development, mm -hmm. whereas his job was management. Portfolio management, yeah, yeah. I'd sit in front of a quote screen all day, right? trade. So <clears throat> we, uh, I got back, went to work and that week sucked. That was a tough week. I mean, you know, having to tell that story over and over again to people, um, is a hard thing to do. I mean, you know, the last thing you really want to do after just something like that talk is really about talk it. about it yeah. all the time. Yeah. You just, yeah. You want <clears throat> just a break from it. And especially when you have to talk to it in terms of the, capital components, the business side of it, um, instead of kind of playing to the emotional aspect. It makes it difficult. But got through the week, um, you know, regrouped as best I could, kept running the business, was working solo at that point. Um, and then uh, 10 months later, my brother fell through a plate glass table in my mom's house and severed his arteries and bled out in her basement. And so mom found him six hours after he had died. Uh, and then, you know, I got the phone call and went over to the house. And <clears throat> I get to the house, walk in, and man, I don't know who this cop was. And I wish I did. So there's this one cop in St. Albert <clears throat> who's standing at the top of the staircase. And I walked in and he goes, he's <clears throat> like, don't go downstairs. Do not, do not go downstairs. I'm like, That's my brother. He goes, listen, it's like, I, I completely understand. I understand that you're probably angry and scared and all that stuff. And you, all you do want to do is see your brother, but you don't want to seem like this. I was like, nah, that's my brother. So kindly get the fuck out of my way. And he did. Um, now, you know, little nuggets of advice when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like that cop knew exactly what he was talking about. So, listen to police officers. Can we have something scroll underneath <laughs> the screen? <laughs> yeah, we, may, we might put that on there, especially since we were like, we were bad mouth them all. <laughs> see, now we'll come, like, we'll come we back around with this one. Back around see with what this we're going to do? We're going to polish your guys' reputation. We're going to polish them back up. So, so, you know, sometimes they have a word. Oh, advice, shit. And they give you advice. Every now and again, yeah, it. when they, especially advice like that, when you know that some of these guys have probably seen some relatively nasty shit, ah, they probably know what they're talking about. So, worthy of listening to them. Um, but went downstairs and, and said goodbye to my brother. Uh, came back upstairs. Uh, had a moment, grabbed my mom, put her in a car, uh, and then took her home, went home, 
talked her into. And where did you take her? Because that was her house, wasn't it? It was her house, so I took her to mine, my yeah. place in Bonnie Dune. Uh, and at that time, I mean, it's worth noting that my mom's relationship with me is thin, right? Because we lose my dad. Now, here's, th here's another thing. <clears throat> when somebody dies and you cannot find the body, the process that you have to go through is you have to prove to the courts that the individual is actually dead. Yeah. That takes time. It took a shit ton of time for us. It took about two years for us to do this. During that time, the estate is frozen. All assets, no cash. You can't touch anything. So remember my mom's state, right? My mom is very ill. Addiction has a tendency to have that flip side of paranoia. That's really fun to deal with. And so at the time, my mom was like, oh, you're stealing from me. Oh, fuck. So her and I are having some relatively severe issues in terms of our relationship. <laughs> We're going to have to find some jokes here, fellas. Because <laughs> fuck me. I mean, Dude, we've, this got, is, I'm just, <coughs> we've got another three hours of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. No, um, it's just crazy. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of similarities. Like I'm like, really? yeah, it's insane. Well, see, I told you, it's not 25%. We're no, sitting close to like 53, higher, 54. Man. Well, no, we're just like, it's, it's, it's just mm -hmm. wild. That's why I was asking uh, before. I'm like, what happened with the, uh, why is your mom the way, the exact yeah. same way as why my mom acts the way she does is because of abuse from go. her parents. And yeah. this, that's how, that's how it gets toxic. passed down though, right? Like, Definitely. It, like, well, no, like people yeah. don't realize mm -hmm. that that's like, Behavior is a, a, your paradigm is bred into you from the ages of one to seven. No, yeah, so whatever absolutely. happens to you between the age of one to seven, it's so critical between those ages because you're building the neural pathways within your brain. Absolutely. And if and if you fuck up those neural pathways, and then you they can't, stay fucked. They, like, they, they stay fucked, fucked yeah. forever until you find them. And yeah. you and if if you don't know that yeah. they're there because they run in the background, it's mm -hmm. like having a virus in your computer that you don't know it's there. Right. But it runs a program. That's been embedded in your brain you don't know? since yeah. from the age of one to seven. Yeah. Well, when you when you got beat as a as a child, that's how you thought you deal with. Oh yeah, uh, I, I I won't say names. Uh, I'll just say oh yeah, uh, little Billy, you kick little Billy's ass. That's how you. Well, that's, that's your schema you, for the world, right? Yeah. Is that violence? That's yeah, part of it. Violence is part of it. And then yeah. when little Billy grows up to be a dad, yeah. that's that, how he, it's just a cycle repeat. Yeah, that's how that's how I got dealt with. I got thrown in a hot shower, nope. blindfolded, and you know some relatively severe props to to mom. Um, she <laughs> broke it. Holy shit! Now, again, like you got to remember, her on oxy and her off off oxy, black and white. And so you know, the woman that I grew up with was incredible, like an, an amazing mother. So, but during this time, her brain, she's dealing with the depression side of it. She's dealing with the grief, kind of, of losing my father. Um, but at the same time, she's so stoned that she's not actually dealing there. with it. She's numb. She's numb. Yeah. So she, uh, she's struggling with it pretty mightily. And so that's playing into our relationship. And it's ruining our relationship. I'm trying to help, but I'm her wet nurse. And I'm catching some relatively nasty shit now, right? So Jesse dies, and I, uh, I get mom and bring her back to the house, and she stays with us um, over the funeral. And then at the same time, thankfully, a month previous, we had bought a condo for her um, four minutes from our house because I wanted her close to me, but I didn't want her living with me. Yeah, Cause and you I, wanted to get rid of that other <clears> place. Oh, I wanted to burn that other place yeah. to the fucking ground. Yeah. Uh, after Jesse died, especially. So 
we have Jesse's fu- funeral, and I, I give my second eulogy. Uh, and what's the time period between these? Ten two? months. Ten months. So it hasn't even broken a year yet. Hasn't even broken a year. Yet. Yeah. You haven't even processed your dad. You haven't no. even processed the first one, and you're no, just I'm, like, what just happened? Like, right, what is exactly. going? At this point, like, and for me, I would be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, what is happening? Like, it's it's almost unfathomable at that point. No, it is. Just, it is. Un- it is. You just get to a point where you're just like. Am, am I being punked? Like, what is going on? Oh, no, here? I know. I Trust me. I've, I've had those moments where it's like, this isn't real. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Um, but real. Um, and so, okay, these things have to be dealt with. I've got to manage mom. I've got to take care of her. I've got to figure out how we're going to keep her alive. Um, but I don't know how I'm going to do it, right? I have no idea. She's got also amazing friends around her that want to help, and she's not accepting help from them. So she's really tough. Then, <laughs> okay, this is going to sound shitty, but just stick with me for a moment. I get the birthday gift of a lifetime when mom, so two days after Jesse's funeral, or a day after the funeral is my birthday. So this is, again, another birthday. So this the first is, uh, one, yeah, the first like one was... Both was two days before the birthdays. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah. So the first like, one was your, your daughter's birthday two days before her birthday, and now this is two days before your birthday. Yeah, Jesse died a little bit earlier than that, but we had to you know, go through the whole embalming thing and all that jazz, and actually, so her, his, the lag time between his death and the funeral was a little bit longer, um, but within a week. You know, so um, I figure it's my birthday. Um, I'll cry if I want to, so I go to the office and work, right? Because why? What am I gonna do? I'm gonna sit and celebrate. Celebrate. Like it's celebrate what? Weird. Yeah. 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 Um, so I go to the office and I get a phone call um, saying that uh, <laughs> it's my wife, Jolene. She's like, so your mom is at the U of A hospital. Like, fuck. What? Just like, what the fuck? Uh, like, are you fucking? She's <clears throat> she was stoned. She got on a stool uh, at the bar in her condo, fell off, fell asleep, fell off the stool, and destroyed her humerus. Hmm. So I'm like, well, okay, you know. So I hop into the car and drive out to the U of A hospital, and I walk in, and I forget what these doctors gave her. But because she was so accustomed to morphine didn't really matter how like they would have given her dangerous levels that would have killed her yeah so like well we can't give her morphine so we got to give her something else so they gave her some hallucinogen she's <laughs> off her shit oh she's tripping balls when i walk in like she is legitimately yeah she is fentanyl was no it wasn't given it no it wasn't fentanyl he wouldn't know he probably wouldn't know. Yeah. because she's so used to oxys and morphine that she's they're not on, giving her they're giving her some so more much morphine shit. running through her system that yeah. they can't give her more because they'll kill her. It'll kill her, and, yeah. So like, well, they give her like DMT or some stuff like something that. Something like or? that, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I walk in. Like the next level shit. Like next level DMT, like on a fucking drip or something. Not DMT, but it's like some powerful stuff. I don't stuff. even know what the hell. Laughing you guys gas, are maybe. About. No, 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 no. Okay. Like legit. She was out there. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was. She was David Bowie. Jeez. I walked in to see Rocket Man. <laughs> Holy shit. But anyway, so I walk in and. This is wild. I walk into her room and she's looking at me. I'm looking at her. Eyes are fully dilated open. She's like this and she goes, she's like, I just had the best talk with your brother. I'm like, whoa. Whoa, whoa, what did they give you? 
She's like, I don't know. But I am really high. Also, having talks with your dad and your brother. I'm like, well, you know, tell them I say hi. And she's sm like smiling ear to ear. Okay, I haven't seen this woman smile in a year. Maybe do longer. Do you believe her at this point? I believe that she's hallucinating. I mean, you know, in terms of the soulful characteristics of is she actually speaking to the manifestation, spiritual manifestation no. of my brother? I don't know about that. You don't that. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not. I, I, I don't know, man. With my experiences, I wouldn't doubt it. See, that's I, would, how I wouldn't I, doubt that she was actually on that other realm yeah. fully with them. Yeah. And, yeah. then, and I've had that I've, discussion too, and that wouldn't, that wouldn't blow my mind either. Um, I'm okay with that thought. In fact, it quite. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, you know. Take it easy on the guy, bro. I'm not helping him out here. Yeah, I know, but take it easy on the guy, man. So we are. <laughs> I love you, Cam. I got you, buddy. <laughs> this so, is insane. This is crazy. She's laying there, and she's. But she is legitimately happy for the first time. And not, not happy because she's stoned either. Like she's stoned, but she's just hallucinating. In terms of the, like, I've seen her, usually it's her drooling, right? Yeah. If you've ever seen anybody on heroin, that's what my mom looked like. Yeah. Um, completely gone. Not around at all. She was able to have a conversation. <clears throat> I said, let's take a look at that arm. She goes, oh, like, let's see it. Now, my mom had an artificial shoulder, right? I'm like, did you break the shoulder? And she goes, yes. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Well, let's let's take a look. <laughs> she's, she's 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 feeling so good. Old. She's yeah. feeling Holy good. Holy shit! I, I fucked it right you up, should, man. You should see it. You should, you should, should see it. See oh, it man. So I'm like, well, let's crack that puppy up. Yeah. Let's take a gander. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she it must have been. You must have been kind of like like taking. Did in you that play energy, into it? Right. Like you were taking. Oh, I was, you had to play into it. I was happy. You were happy with it. You're just like this is. You got to remember what I thought I was going to walk into. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was going to walk into her, an emotional broken rack, and another and thing broken, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Another reason to put her on more painkillers than what I walked into was essentially the Joker. <laughs> so, Holy shit. Oh, yeah. So, Mom, she's like, oh, stop. <laughs> look at honey. The Joker. Pulls her, pulls her thing down, and it's just her arm. Remember Gumby? Oh, jeez, yeah, mom, I remember like, that's what her That's what her arm looked like. It was just like, Hah. no straight line to be found. It was just contorted. And so, you know, mom's like, pretty bad, right? Like, uh, <laughs> Gumpy, holy shit. So, she, so she's doing this, she's like, wait, wait, I gotta throw up. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, she's like, you know I love you. And I'm like, I, I know you do. I'm like, you know I love you. And she's like, I know you do. And then the doctor comes in and says, so, Patty, what are you going to do? Because we've got to put you through, you've got to have some relatively serious surgery here. We're going to have to open your arm up from here to here. We've got to put in a new shoulder, and then we've got to staple your humors back together. So what are we going to do? Because you can't live alone. And he goes, like, this guy... Forget, I forget names of all the important people in my life. The guys that change your life. You, just, <laughs> yeah. you remember their well, faces. Well, for seconds, too, right? Yeah. They're just like they had such an incredible impact. But And they're in your stories forever oh, and ever. Yeah. Like what he said was so profound. And you're well, like, what, he did what was, was he, his name? <laughs> he steered the whole, he steered her whole life. I mean, he goes, he's like, so Cody, you work, right? Like, yeah. He's like, hey, you can't stay with Cody. Because that's what she was going to say, right? Like, yeah. I'll just stay with him. Yeah. No, oh, you can't say. Wow. So he knew. He saved her. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he, he knew. knew what was he figured going on. shit out. Like, yeah, he, he, and he dealt it. with this before, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. He's like, nope, you can't stay. And he's also, he knows what she's taking. Yeah. 
He's like, okay. He's trying to put her. He's trying to put her in a safe house. That's where he's going with this. It's like this girl needs some help. Yep. We got to get you into a place where you can get regulated in terms of the amount of oxy that you're taking, and see if we can get you safe, and maybe also deal with your grief. So she ends up staying in a hospital for like three months. I have a question here. Yeah. This is an interesting question. When when you're on that many drugs, yeah. can you make those legal decisions, or do you have to someone else has to, as a representative make those choices for you? Because you're basically telling them, saying, "Hey, do you want to go in this hospital?" They have to say yes. No, no question. Is that is that actually like when there's a danger to um, her life? Yeah, they start making decisions for you. So they're just doing it as a technicality, just uh, to kind of get them. Her. This is what's going to happen. happen, but like doing it in a way to make her think that she's exactly. the one making the choice. Exactly, because choices. the second, I mean, mom is like the rest of us. Yeah. The second that we feel like we're no longer in control, that's when you start getting. Like, no, you're, Why? you're yeah, not putting no, me in a hospital. Yeah, exactly. I, I decide yeah, yeah. my life, right? And so she was very much that way. Um, pretty hard-headed woman. And so they're like, no, no, this is where you're going because there's a threat to your life. And so we can't have you living alone. Uh, he can't take care of you. He's got a full-time gig. His wife works and they have a small child. So that's not going to work. So off you go. And she was, you know, she went from a Care Bear to relatively, not, yeah. Not happy. Oh, she was pissed. Queen of the frowny faces. Yeah, she was not. Queen she was of not frowny happy. faces. She was, was like more pissed. like not happy or just kind of disappointed and like, oh. No, she was she, all of the above. She was yeah. angry and pissed and, but, and sad and horrified, agoraphobic, right? Yeah. So. There's no talking any logical sense she, to well, that she either. She doesn't want to talk to anybody, oh. right? Like she wants to be around her family, kinda. She kinda wants to be around us. But not really. But not even us, really. Yeah. Um, she just wants you to experience what she's experiencing. Yeah. And she's like, hey, she, oh, man, like, she wants my to life. Pity, like, right? Pay, like, pay attention to me. Yeah. Can you give a shit? Yeah. Give a shit about um, me. So, it, but everybody else, I mean, severe agoraphobia. She didn't want to go outside. She didn't want to be around other people. And so, yeah. this, the thought of putting her in a place for three months, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm like, I don't, hey, listen, I'm. Fight on behalf of it. The doc here is pretty yeah. dead set. So, Jeez. Uh, he was awesome. So <laughs> she goes out and, uh, and spends her three months, goes through the surgery, and comes out of it with, well, now her, she's taking the same amount of oxy, but it's now being regulated, right? Like it's taken on time, and you can't trust a drug addict to take their drugs on time, right? And so, like, mom would do <clears> stuff like, if she missed um, taking her drugs because she was so out of it, she'd double up the next time, right? Like ways to OD. You know, she'd do other things. Just so like she can get her her, her, fix. her her refill almost. Yeah. Well, and there's that too, right? <coughs> yeah, because you're like, oh shit, I'm like, I have to have all these oxys taken by this time. Yeah. I'm like, well shit, okay, I'll double up now and then that way I'll have this, yeah. Well, and, and just the way their minds work, right? Like, oh, I'm really depleted on my oxy intake, so I should probably throw an extra one in there just to get back to normal. But that's not how your body works. No, you want that logically kind of makes sense. Like, like sure, it, sure, it, it kind of, but it's that's not how it works. It's not how that's it works. Not how it's how it works. you want to weed it's off taking of it. It one Advil at nine a.m. and one Advil at four, or taking two at four. Yeah. Right, like the impact on your body on your liver is significantly harsh. Harsher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? They don't know that though. Well, or they don't think about it. They're not in that. No, they just want, you know. Yeah, I so know. Yeah, yeah. And then they take, they take the two and they go, holy shit, that feels great. <laughs> well, they don't. I mean, they don't even do that. They just, oh, this is too much done. Yeah. 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 So mom goes off to this place and, and I start seeing her and spending my lunches with her, right? So I work in the morning. Then I drive out, 
bring her lunch. We'd sit in the garden. This place was beautiful. I forget the name of it. I should remember it. Fuck. Like, I... It's all good. It's annoying. remember this shit, but... An awesome, awesome facility. Amazing staff. And they forced her to do stuff like talk to patients, talk to other people that were staying there with her, right? So she developed friendships. All these things extraordinarily important, right, in terms of recovery. Mm -hmm. And so her and I started building a relationship for the first time in a long time. I mean, it was before this that her and I always butted heads. Uh, you know, when she, when she was an addict, I mean, and depression plays into this, she was tough, you know, and she could get pretty nasty. And so her and I, you know, we'd get into our share of fights. So now we're starting to understand each other. Uh, we're starting to have conversations about, you know, like, what does this look like, this new reality for us? And she comes out of that place uh, with a new lease, at least the foundations for a new lease on life. Now, she's still seeing the same doctor that's been prescribing her, uh, her meds, and she's still, you know, taking the same amount. And once we get her back home, she kind of gets back into the groove of where she was. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, uh, a few months after she gets home. Now, her and our, our relationship is getting better, but it's still rocky. Um, she falls off her bed, hurts her back. Now, she's got to get in to see her GP, but her GP can't see her in until, like, a week and a half. She's in agony. She's got spinal stenosis, right? So she's, her back, in terms of all of her nerves, is all messed up. So we hop, in a, uh, we hop in a car and we go out and see um, the doctor over at my clinic, FH Medical on the south side, which is a miracle establishment um, because I can get in to see my doctor right now um, and she needs somebody right now. Now, I never would have been able to get her away from her doctor and I've been begging for a long time, but... She was having none of it. She wanted to stay where she was because that's where she was getting her meds and she didn't want to give up her meds, right? Um, but finally, because of her back injury, we were able to get her in to see my doc. My doc had a conversation with her about, like, listen, you're taking too much of this stuff and there are ways, there are other solutions and Oxy, over a long period of time, doesn't do anything for pain management anymore. So there are methods that we can employ that will make you, your quality of life significantly better. And so after a number of conversations with my mom uh, and the guys over at FH, mom agrees, finally. Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe I want my independence back. She hasn't driven in 10 years, mm -hmm. right? Like maybe I want to be myself again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fast forward... Uh, from that conversation, 12 months, so probably a year, but a year and she's clean. So it takes her 12 months, it takes her a year to get off this shit. Pretty close. After being on yeah. it for almost 20 yeah, or 15, yeah. 15 yeah. years. Now here's my question is, is because a lot of times we're like, where are you at in theory and all of this stuff? Where, okay. what, what was your state? Because this is a lot of shit for you to be taking on. This is like, where the whole resiliency comes in. This play. is what I'm asking. Like, this so, is the thing. Like, we're talking about a lot of the stuff that's yeah. going on, and there's a lot going on right now. So the thing is, I mean, you know, I have... My number one job is to ensure that I have a happy, giggling little girl mm -hmm. at the house. 
who knows that you know her father loves her desperately and that's my number one gig mm -hmm. you know but I've also got this other child who's 60 years old uh, that's living in my life so for me um, I'm still working in the practice yeah right still running the job I've changed from one bank to another um, taking on a new partner but my capacity to do my job oh tanks because you, you, really, like, you really realize what's important in life. Are you like burying yourself in the work, but then the, the, your family's pulling you back with so much that you have to, you ha you, your focus has to come back over here? <clears throat> my focus was never, I never had time for my focus to be on me. Um, yeah. The focus was always, yep, work and daughter. And I've got, you know, I've got these two responsibilities that are sizable. And my mom is, I, you know, constant fear that she's going to die. And I don't want to be the last one left. Yeah. So I need my mom, you know, like we all need our mothers. And so, you know, I'm dedicating myself to trying to make sure that she's okay. So I'm taking time away from work so that I can drive her around and get her to appointments and all that stuff. But my job is my work suffering. You know, I'm not close to as good as I once was. My desire to, you know, I'm working BD and my desire to be around a bunch of people and talk about portfolio management at that time, pretty small. Yeah. You know, so. So it's not really growing, it's more or less just like maintaining. Yeah, I'm existing, quo. exactly. I'm functioning on cruise control to a certain extent. Yeah. Not a ton of intention with anything that I do necessarily, just kind of do your job. Were you doing the trades and talking to the people at the same yeah. time? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I'd, at this point... Those are two separate jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. Two separate full-time jobs. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And now I know a lot of guys that do it and do it well, but yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a lot of responsibility on both sides. Yeah, guys. but that's, that's, you could do that well if that's the only thing you're focusing on. But there when is. you're dealing with exactly. like a whole bunch of distractions on the back end that yeah. you're just putting out fires on a regular basis every day... Yep. And then trying to raise a child at the same time, like you're just no like, question, dude. You get you that's, that's a heavy. That's a heavy load, bro. You got to do your yeah. research too. Well, like it's shit. not just oh, yeah, trading. No, it's no, like no, you got to no, research you gotta your whole shit. About. Yeah, it's not just if you're gonna put somebody else's money mm -hmm. into an investment, you better understand the investment. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the totally. research port. That, those are when when those big uh, investment corporations they got whole divisions of that's just the research guys and they give yeah. their research to the guys trading the shit. Just like due diligence. Yeah, just researching before they even make a choice. Hundred percent. And all that information, and then you got the guy talking to the client. Yeah. Now here's a couple important things that, in terms of things that benefited me. Um, first and foremost, I've got this, like I said, I've got a mental coach, I've got a fitness coach, one for body, one for mind. My fitness coach is a guy that I've been with for 10 years, a guy by the name of Curtis Bills uh, over at Body Infusion on the North End. And Kurt, I lose my dad. And, you know, now I'm chained to my desk. Like, now I've got to work. So I'm not going to the gym anymore. I used to go during lunch hour, and yeah. I just don't have time. And then after work, the desire to go to the gym isn't overly high. The desire to go and have a drink is pretty high, Yeah. but not to go to the gym. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I love this human being. He, uh, he was one of the guys who was like, you know what, come back, start training. He taught me just how important the body is to the mind and the mind is to the body. Yeah. So one of my outlets for stress was the gym. I mean, I was always dedicated in going there anyways. 
but it became instead about you know I'm going to work on my chest today or my lats. It was I'm going here specifically because I understand the fundamental components about how it affects my brain. Well, yeah, it's the same thing as like when you have this is kind of an interesting uh, comparison, but like for instance, if you have a like a dog, yeah, and you basically their mind is spinning. Yeah, all you got to do is bag run them. Mm-hmm. And they're so tired that the brain basically shuts down. Yeah. Like it just, so training is a way to basically calm the brain. Oh, no question. Like 100% because like you just, that's you f- why. That's the only thing you focus on. That's the only thing like you focus on. Your good body just too. basically shuts. Well, like, and all the hormones that course through your body because of it and all that. You start I mean, feeling healthy again. The, you no start question. Good, like you, and like, you feel in control. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly important, especially for somebody like me. I remember when I first sat down with Roger. Um, especially with a name like Squishy. Squid, squid, squidgy. I've had them all, boys. I've had them all. I'm never going to call you squidgy in real life. No. <laughs> oh, just to the planet. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> he did, not me. Son of a bitch. Um, sorry, guys. But well, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Squishy was a thing. Um, <laughs> Jeez, you're going to throw that out of me? Wow. But <laughs> and that was, I mean, that was a thing. I like I. <laughs> I grew a bunch of a bunch of feet, and that's why I became squid. And so I became skinnier. Uh, yeah. um, and then I got married, and I was like, "Well, you know, Jim Schmim, I'm gonna go to school, and I'm gonna eat as much cheese I think as I possibly can find, pretty much everywhere. Like you, it was just carbs and cheese." You're a cheese guy. I have a proclivity to eat carbohydrates. Yeah. Like we all do, I think, to a certain extent. It's I mean, addicting. as humans, it's, it's, we love it's carbs. Sh- it's the sugar that's attached to those carbs, too. Oh, There's not necessarily sugar in every carb. Not every carb, but a lot of the breads and stuff like that that are out there. That well, and, the, and sodium. Like, I just... Oh, <laughs> You're oh, a salt guy. Oh, I love... Oh, <laughs> oh and I come by it, honestly. Like, my, to sit with for lunch with my father, and he'd be salting the shit out of his salad. I'm like... What the fuck? <laughs> Let me well, try that, that. I mean, you're going a little far. You're going a little far, Dad. Yes. <laughs> He's like, well, you know, you gotta have anyways. Eat <laughs> <laughs> salt, fucking anything. <laughs> when people ask me for salt, I get so like weirded out. Oh, I'm just like, hey, well, can I have salt? Becoming, I'm like, table salt's becoming less of a thing, right? Yeah, like, it that is. Yeah. The same thing was twenty years. And said, drink this. I almost killed me. You you forced Steve to drink a glass of salt. Yeah, and he threw up everywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, it's because it's a glass of salt. <laughs> It was a lot of salt. He put a lot of salt in the glass. He was on, he was you on a fast. It was meant to, to clean, to clean, to clean his colon out. He was supposed to shit it out, not throw it out. I was trying to help him. I legit, I was legit trying to help him. You That's feel bad. You can see your face. Your face was like, oh shit, because like I drank it. It was about two I, I minutes thought, before yeah, I, I said, gonna die. I said, something's wrong. Like this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't good. My stomach started doing weird shit. And I well, yeah. Like, and I don't have any food in there. Like, this guy's, this guy's eaten, 300 hours into a fast. For like nine days, bro. So That's I'm, what you did to him at the end of nine day fast? That's so mean. He was supposed to shit, not, not fucking throw it up. You so, drank it too fast, you wiener. You're supposed to sip on it. Dude, that wasn't my fault. He goes, you need to chug it. Those are your exact words. You need to chug it. And I only got through like a sip of it. And I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to drink this, bro. This doesn't feel right. You're the one who said he wanted to do it. Something's wrong. You wanted to do it. And then the next thing I go, I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm gone. And it all came out. I legit, I legit, I legit felt bad. I legit felt bad. (laughs) Well, yeah, you 
poisoned your friend. <laughs> just saw the Tim Lane sea salt. If you did, if you were like, you know what, I don't feel too bad. I mean, that's a sociopath. That's sociopathic behavior. Yeah. That you felt bad makes me feel good. That I didn't feel terrible though. He, like, was, wor- <laughs> he, was, he was worried that I was I was in big trouble. No, no, I was worried. Yeah. I actually, yeah, yeah. That yeah, you were legitimately. Once I once I puked it all up, yeah. like I felt a, a thousand times better. Like it yeah. came out, and I was just like, okay, my body didn't want that. Well, you want you're, you're the one who you're the one Definitely who said you're one. like I'm gonna do a flush. But I, I don't like, know how, how much you salt you put in that thing. I only I put I only put uh, one table or a teaspoon. Uh, a teaspoon? How big was a teaspoon? You only really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's the okay. When I, I did it, okay. Uh, <laughs> and I've, I've I was like I was like Steve, just be prepared to be on the That's toilet like, for about forty five minutes. Every single time I've had advice from somebody and they have to look at me like, oh no, don't worry, dude, I did it. <laughs> Don't worry, I did it. It's bad advice. Okay, this whole thing's like a. This is a lot of bro science going on here, though. Yeah, like, Bryant's is horrible. Yeah, this is a lot of bro science uh, from the internet. There's a bunch of YouTube videos <laughs> of people talking about shitting themselves while <laughs> right. eating salt. Right. Yeah, right. Okay, let's bring it back. Well, yeah, so when you do the salt, when you do the, so when you do the salt flush, you're supposed to. It's, it cleans everything up. Right, evidently, yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, so your dad likes sodium. You like salt. And, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, so my it was my coach who who convinced me that you know, it's incredibly important in terms of dealing with stress, um, <coughs> that you get enough time to be active and dedicated towards you know, your body as the temple. Right? Yeah. So I started doing that more um, and realizing the benefits of it. Now, remember, like, I'm still I'm working in a haze. I'm working an incredibly stressful job in a partnership that I'm finding pretty difficult. Um, in a job that I'm loving less and less. And in that job, you know, my dad used to say, if you're not 110% in, in this position, when you're managing somebody's livelihood, you're out, like, you need to leave. That's not a job that you can just do for the money because the paycheck's good, and the paycheck's good. You get paid well for it. But <clears throat> you have got to love that job to do it well. Yeah. You have to. That's one of the few. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, you, yeah, you, I, I yeah. think to a certain extent, I mean, if you want to master anything. You have to love it. You have to love it. But you can get by. But you can get by. In other ones, but that one, you can't, you can't well, bullshit seen, your way I've through Well, I've seen it. some people squeak by in that position before, too, that they didn't love it, but I know they love the paycheck. Um, that doesn't last, though. You'll, yeah, you'll at, get at, caught. At that'll point, ca- that'll catch point, up. At a point, you just leave it stagnant, and it just doesn't grow anymore. Yeah, just... there's, well, yeah. I mean, I, I loved my dad's um, philosophy because it spoke to how much he gave a shit about the people client yeah he loved his clients and rightfully so I mean the clients that we had were amazing amazing people amazing people um, you know and I, it's one of the honors of my life that I got to serve them for the time that I did mm-hmm. um, but anyway so so back at the gym still you know probably drinking too much um, and not dealing with anything for me. I mean, I'm dealing with my mom and my job and trying to just kind of hold it all together. And then I start, Jeline brings up, you know, we're talking, (laughs) her and I have a tendency to talk business. Jeline is very business oriented. She's brilliant business mind. And so she's, we're sitting at dinner one night and she goes, you know, I'm starting to see is Jeline your wife? Yeah. Okay. She's like, I'm starting to see some pretty significant movement in the corporate health and wellness industry. And I'm like, 
<laughs> a bunch of fucking patchouli salesmen? Like, that's really? Like, Your wife, where would she get that data from? Oh, she's just plugged in. Like, she just, pl- she just, yeah, she's, she's just plugged dope. in. Like, that's, that's all. She reads business. She talks business. She's a VP at all. Uh, it, it's over true, though. Like, you know, like in yeah. the fitness industry, like, like there's so many, yeah, they're pushing it because they can get better. Well, there's no better, question. Better work out of their, out of their employees. Right? Well, that's what he, he, so yeah, that's, that's what he does. So that's the kind of, I mean, for me, initially, <laughs> if I had seen one of my organizations that I owned, one of the public companies that we had in our portfolios, if I was seeing that it was lending a ton of its own capital to something as frivolous as a health and wellness initiative, like, bye-bye. Because for me, it showed an irresponsibility to their own capital and to shareholders. Yeah. Which is complete and utter bullshit, but that's the way my mind thought. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, my like dad you're just was... giving it away? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, what the hell? Like, massages? Yeah. You can get free massages? Like, that can't be a thing. So... I came from a very conservative background on that side of the equation. Um, and like I'm my father's son in a lot of ways. So this guy's doing this tour and he's going around to rotary groups and Jim Gray. And he's coming to my wife's and my wife says to me, you know, why don't you come and see this guy? What's interesting about this is he runs an organization called Wellness Alberta or Alberta Wellness, one of the two. Alberta Wellness sounds more like yeah. it. Yeah. I, I think I've heard, I've heard of, of that, that before, one. Alberta Wellness. Yeah. So it's a not-for-profit that focuses on um, the budgetary issues surrounding a healthy population here. I mean, you know, so, but before Jim started this, prior to that, Jim was one of the biggest oil barons in Canada. Yeah. Like, this guy's level of success is absolutely bananas. Astonishing. Like, he's one of the top-tier oil guys in the nation, which makes him one of the top oil guys on the planet. Like, I'd known about him. I had no idea he was doing this. So now my interest is sparked. I'm like, well, okay, we'll go and see him. I mean, he's 86. Like, I'm shocked he's still working. The guy's worth billions. Like, he's worth a shit ton of money. So I go and listen to him and talk. And his argument is passionate. And, you know, essentially what he's saying is if we don't get better, if we don't get better in terms of our proactive nature surrounding how we take care of ourselves here in this, in this province specifically, forget oil prices. Like, half of our budget provincially is already going to health care. It gets significantly worse every year. We'll go bankrupt just because we're unhealthy. He's thinking of it on that on that capacity. That's yeah, where he's coming from as a, as a threat. Like this is a threat. Like yeah, he, this he, is. He, it's, he can it's, see things at a different level at that point. Oh, he absolutely. I mean, he's he looking at things provincially. I've heard of the name Jim Gray before. Yeah, he's a pretty pretty astonishing human being. Um, I just sitting in front of him for the hour or so that I did was special. Well, yeah, I mean because of that. I walked away and started looking into corporate health and wellness, right? When, when, when was the time in all of this that you and me meet each other? Like, when did I meet you? Oh, so you're coming into the picture. Yeah, when right, did I, when right did I now, show up? Right now. Yeah. Because at the same time, I met you as I was transitioning. 
<laughs> not sexually. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> not yeah, yeah, we can't use that word right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not no, it's not even That's like a um, <laughs> trend, transitioning we, we, Who knows what the future holds, but for oh, now, um, just business-wise. <laughs> okay, so, so right now you're transitioning from at finances? That, well, I, at that point, I'm still like, okay, well, there's something to this, so yeah. i got to look into it. So I pick up this book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. Okay, Sean... Uh, is a professor of Harvard um, at Harvard, um, professor in psychology, and him and his mentor started a school of psychology called Positive Psychology that focuses on kind of the outliers in terms of performance output. So why people outperform others? Mm-hmm. How there's a, a mass group of individuals on a bell curve, and then there's these people up here, right? People that don't follow the line. And he comes down to the notion that it's, it's because they're happy. <laughs> These people have figured out how to make themselves happy. And so what does that look like? This book is, I read that book in two or three days. I left my business. What was the name of the book? The, the Happiness, Happiness Advantage. Advantage. The Happiness Advantage. This book made me leave my job. Because he outlines in terms of if you want to build a competitive organization, first and foremost, you better make sure that your people like working there, feel supported, and yeah, you play to their happiness. Now, that doesn't mean you go irresponsible with it, but read the book. It's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing book. So, finish the book. Um, Figure out what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I don't know what that is. I have no idea, but I know that that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, it's the first thing that I've been excited about in a long time. Leave investment advisory. Um, my clients transition over to uh, my partner, and I start Holos. Uh, <laughs> and all I know is the name of it. Holos is Greek for holistic. So it's like, okay, well, <clears throat> it's going to be holistic because we're going to focus on the entirety of the individual. We're going to focus on both bi- m- mind and body. What does that look like? I know gym memberships. And so, I mean, that's where I started, which is like, okay, we're going to develop this program where we can get, you know, corporate gym memberships and all this shit, which, by the way, never works. So, so you're, you're, you're basically becoming a, um, a personal, almost like a personal coach, but like in the sense of saying, like, I'm not going to just teach you, I'm going to take every aspect of your life and change your health, your mind, your financial, I mean, like in a whole thing, full holistic? No, not the financial side. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. You well, can add that, maybe add that. add that. Well, Knights Templar. The, Yo, the Knights Templar, the, the, the right? The Templar of Finance. That's the, in the Holos. The Holor Templars. The, the, <laughs> the Templar may find some employment here relatively soon with us because we're having some conversations now because the number one stressor that they're finding in people's lives <clears throat> is financial. It's presently financial. is financial literacy. Because people don't know how to... They don't, well, let's dude, get the Templars the one, in it's, here. It's the, one th- it's the one thing that everyone, everyone needs to uh, exactly. abide by, but... Nobody, Nobody knows. knows how to do it because they don't want you to know. That's right. That's Nobody, why there's professionals in this industry, right? Because they make the money because they don't want you to know how to do it. Let us do I, it for I you. I used to be one of those. But anyways, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, back then, I didn't know exactly what Holos was going to be. Um, all I wanted was to figure out an impactful way of building resiliency in workforces. So for me, and to this day, I mean, it, this philosophy hasn't changed, and it's kind of the cornerstone of uh, 
what I believe Holos is. You know, our endeavor is to ensure that we make the world's most resilient organizations um, in terms of when shit hits a fan, how do you manage, right, when things go awry? I mean, you know, obviously at that point I was privy to things going relatively awry. Oh, yeah. And so one of the cool things about this was that it gave me my personal life now aligned with my corporate life, which was I'm going to figure this out for myself in terms of how do I make myself more resilient. Um, I want to understand the psychology of resilience um, and the psychology of performance. And, th and then I want to be able to apply it. So we started this company, um, started bringing on some partners, uh, some people that I've known for a long, long time. Now, is, is your mom still? Now, mom, mom is just going through her recovery. Her yeah, shoulder. let's call it recovery. She, let's call it rehab. Because she's, because she's, the she's sober. Yeah, she's, so sober she's now. getting soberer. And soberer. this is all at the exact same time yeah. that this transitioning is happening. Like so everything's happening. As I'm starting mm -hmm. this company, now my mom is fully supportive of everything that I'm doing. Like she's loving everything that I'm doing. She's happy that I left the organization that I was with. She's happy that I've gone into something that also relates to her quite well, right? Because she's going through the same shit that I am on the personal side of the equation. So, um, and because of that too, we're able to start a relationship. Like her and I are getting to know each other. I'm starting to spend more and more time with her. We're starting to enjoy each other's company a lot. Um, we're starting to understand where we come from. She's having very honest conversations with me about everything. She's opening up in, in incredible ways and to the point where, you know, now we're going for like every Friday. I go and pick her up at her condo and we go for beers. Not because I have to, not because I want to make sure that she's still breathing, because I love spending time with her. Yeah. Like that was my mom. My mom was awesome, awesome human being. So <clears throat> she's coming back. We're building Holos, which isn't making any money. It's not making any money, but it's, it's exciting. You know, we're trying to do something in an industry that realistically the sandbox is created, but there's no best practices yet, which means that we get to be scientists. I love that kind of stuff because that allows us to go in and beta test a bunch of stuff, see what works, see what plays, see what doesn't, right? It also allows us to go out and find content. Now we've got to figure out, because I'm not the guy. I'm not, I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. I can't come in and tell people, you know, what they should be and should not be doing. But what I can do is find individuals who, a guy like Dr. Rodney Schmaltz, who's one of our lead act or lead motivators at Holos, um, he's a content provider for us. Guy's amazing. And he's a uh, professor of psychology over at McEwen. Like, yeah. The guy's brilliant. Like, that's what we get to do now is find this, these talented groups of individuals who can come in and say, like, this is what works for people. This is the armor that they should be applying. This is the way that they should be leading their lives. And so for us, all of a sudden that becomes really interesting because it's marketable, right? But we're brand new. And we're selling something in a conservative marketplace. Like Edmonton's pretty conservative, right? So Plus the economy is a lot of the these people are tightening up. Like, fuck that, we're not spending money on this. 2014 happens, yeah. right? So the oil market vanishes. You know, and I was still in the business in 2014, and the conversation was, well, the market's going to come back. You know, <clears throat> we got a downturn here, pretty significant, but at the same time, we didn't realize at that time that this was the new reality. So, yeah, corporate 
purse strings are tightening significantly. But that's okay. For us, it's a matter of okay. We're not here to get in front of you today. What we want to build is something that is hugely impactful for you tomorrow. So that when we deploy what we're working on, it does what we profess it will. Mm -hmm. It will better the people's lives that work with you so that it will make your organization more efficient. More efficient. It's like anything else. I mean, think of it like an army, right? If I'm going to war, I'm going to want the healthiest army possible. Healthiest, most organized, exactly. the most, most clear-headed. Clear-headed is everything, yeah. right? So what do we implement today that will allow you to have that kind of organization? Boot camp. <laughs> so we run them through. We have a drill sergeant that goes in, calls them a bunch of... No, we don't do that, but... It, like there's a bunch of this stuff that we can deploy yeah. yeah, and there's a bunch of tools that we can provide and information that we can deliver that is hugely beneficial. Now, you have to choose whether or not you use it, of course. I can't force someone. Use it. Yeah, exactly. I, th yeah. I think one of the, uh, the forerunners to this sort of thing was, um, just as an example, is yeah. I think Google had Office uh, kind of started, I don't want to say the trend of this, but they... Uh, oh, I wouldn't, for, there's a few organizations that, in terms of kickstarting this engine, I mean, Harvard's definitely one. I, Google is doing some pretty big health and wellness stuff now. Yeah, uh, just how they set their office up with like well, people okay. sitting on squid balls and like. <clears throat> Google's the problem though, because everybody. <laughs> I think it might have got blown out of proportion or something. Well, people started looking at Google and their campus and going, well, huh, it's interesting, you know. This is one of the biggest organizations on the planet. And they've got beanbag chairs and sleep pods and stuff like that. What people have to understand, what organizations have to understand, is that it's not the beanbag chair, it's not the sleep pod. It's the culture that yeah. allows for the beanbag chair. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of organizations go, fuck it, I'm getting the I'm getting the beanbags. Yeah, you going to do table tennis? That's going to be Nobody plays it, and it just collects dust. Yeah, and they're like, I don't understand. Yeah. I yeah, dropped yeah, yeah, three yeah. grand, I bought a ping pong table, nobody touches it. Clearly this Google thing is bullshit. And it's like, no, oh. you didn't have the culture, <laughs> the culture yeah, yeah, yeah. that matched the furniture. Yeah, exactly, yeah. The interior has to match what's going on in terms of the cultural organization. Yeah. So that's an important key component of all this stuff. So, <laughs> but I've had a lot of those conversations. Like, so Google, like, <laughs> it, if you have matching ideals, then sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably don't though. No, not a lot to do. No, no. Um, so anyway, so building this company. But for me, I mean, realistically, am I... I still haven't dealt with my brother and my dad, really. You know, like... But one thing that I'm finding is there's catharsis in building this relationship with my mom. Because it's reconnecting me to my family that I miss so much. Yeah. Uh... And I'm getting into stuff like, thankfully, I've got groups of, I've got close friends. I mean, if, in terms of resilience, one of the most important aspects of it, one of the key components is always going to be the community that you surround yourself with. And having the right group of individuals, the right kind of friendships, the right kind of support that lift you up. Because inevitably, you're going to get your ass kicked. Uh, it's hard to say when it's going to happen during these kinds of things, but when tr something traumatic happens, inevitably you have a tendency to fall apart here and there. Uh, but having that group of individuals that will surround you and pick you up when you can't stand for yourself. Huge. <clears throat> Invaluable. Uh, it's everything. Yeah. 
It's everything, because without that, I mean, if you have to deal with, with and go through those waters alone, uh, it gets pretty murky pretty quick. So <coughs> having somebody <coughs> who will guide you through it is important. And thankfully, God knows I've had amazing, amazing, incredible people uh, walk this path with me. But so going through all this stuff and... Uh, <coughs> And I'm getting good advice from my group of friends. And you've met Jared before. Yeah. Yeah. Jared's a good buddy of mine. I'm not going to use his last name because it's going to annoy him that I didn't announce his last name plus his role plus his company. And so <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Jareds yeah, out that's there. That's exactly what this guy would do on purpose. He's just yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to piss this fuck. Fact, my best friend. Yeah, I'm going to piss him off because <laughs> I'm not going to promote him. Nope, there's yeah. no plugging for him. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call him JJ. So JJ. Uh, I like that. That's hilarious. Okay, where are we in the story right now? We are... <clears throat> Organization is, so we're about a year ago. A year ago. Yeah. Organization is starting to come into its own. It's starting to figure out what it looks like, starting to get identity. Yeah. I'm reestablishing my connection with my mom. My mom and I are going on vacations with my family, right? Okay. So we're doing stuff like that. We're reconnecting. That's helping. Okay. I've established a good community of individuals who are willing to hold me up. Those individuals are giving me good advice, like... In terms of this kind of stuff, when these things happen, one of the most important things that you can do for yourself is instead of being hard, people are going to tell you, you know, be brave. Yeah. <coughs> be tough. Um, bullshit. Don't be any of those. Be as soft as humanly possible, and especially on yourself, because inevitably what comes with this kind of stuff is a relatively severe degree of guilt. Um, you know, Coulda, shoulda, woulda. I should have been able to you know, the arrogance of when you love somebody. Um, but like for my dad, you know, he's diagnosed with Parkinson's. I said, don't worry, we'll, we'll manage it. We're going to figure it out. Parkinson's, how the fuck am I supposed to figure that out? But I love yeah. my father and I'll do whatever I can. Yeah. You know, so I also convinced my dad to take a vacation. That was the vacation that he killed himself on. So. Does that sit with you? Of course. Yeah. I promised my my brother every day for like three years. Don't worry. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You make these promises because your intention is exactly as you stated, right? Like I'll save them. I'll save them all. But reality kicks into high gear pretty swiftly uh, when shit hits the fan. And so when that happens, you're left with, well, that's a pretty significant failure. What that does to you on a personal uh, side of the equation, for me anyways, I mean, I can't speak to anybody else necessarily, but for me, it was, who are you? Like, as a person, as a man, as a father, most importantly, who are you? How are you gonna, how are you gonna do any of this? You fucked up, and it cost the lives of two people that you loved the most in this world. So how do, you, how do you go forward? Now, well, you believe you did. That's the thing. It's exactly. Like you didn't really. You have no idea. You can't make those choices. Those choices were not really yours. You, Absolutely. If it's you're, a, you're intense in the right spot, right? In fact, I know, I know um, cognitively, I mean, my brain knows that, of course, it's not my fault. Of course yeah. it's not. 
this thing, this stupid thing here, yeah. doesn't want to let that go. Yeah. And so you got to figure out ways to work through it and massage that out. And that's what, you know, being soft and gentle with yourself. Forgiveness is a thing. And, you know, I've always been relatively forgiving towards others and really unforgiving to myself. Uh, that's how I've always been. I think that's how a lot of us are, right? Like, we tend to be the worst kind of individuals yeah. to ourselves before we're, you know, that to anybody else. And you have those moments where you ask yourself that question, like, holy shit, I would never say that to somebody. Why but I say, I say it that to myself, myself all the time. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, well, let's, hold, let's hold it right there. Yeah. Let's stop right there. Let's take a little bit of a break. Sure. Just because uh, we'll take a little break and we're going to pick up. From that part of the story. Oh my God! Well, yeah. we're getting to the. <laughs> we're getting to the good stuff. We're getting so to the present. Let's take a day. break there, and then we'll <clears throat> come back here for part two. Right Sounds here, right awesome. away. <laughs>